0: Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant.
2: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG, still Marcus Grant. I know my name. Still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And big Wednesday show for you. In fact, might as well just take this moment to uh, let you guys know we're doing a Wednesday and a Thursday show. Normally we're Wednesdays and Fridays, but Friday is Christmas. And so... Uh, We figured we would take a break. We would let you guys take a break as well. Uh, Plus, there's a game on Christmas Day. So uh, we will do a show for you on Thursday. So you get to double up uh, with us this week. And on this special Wednesday, we'll be joined by Matt Okada, our resident nerd who will step in, pinch hitting for Adam Rank. And we got plenty to talk about. We'll have some starts and sits for you this week. We will also... Uh, go with a situation we call YOLO or hell no. Whether or not uh, some of these guys that are sort of sleepers or deep sleepers, you consider starting in championship week. We got plenty more to talk about, so it will be a busy, busy show for us on this Wednesday. And at this time, might as well just turn to our good friend Matt Okada, the resident nerd, who is wearing a pretty spectacular sweater. I don't know if everybody can see it, but so maybe you can like kind of halfway stand up uh, and give folks a chance to kind of check it out a little bit. Yeah, man, it's it's. It's amazing. It's got reindeers and stuff on it. That's uh, pretty fantastic. Where Where did you come up on that sweater?
3: You know, it's probably from like a Savers or some other <laughs> reclaimed clothing store.
2: That is usually where the best stuff comes from, you know. It uh, it, it, you know, look, there's a reason Mclemore had a hit with a song called "Thrift Store," right? Because uh, you can find so many great things there. So, uh, we got plenty, plenty to talk about. Glad you are with us uh, today. It's nice to see you back here again, and uh, we get we get a double dose of you this week because we're going to do Ask a Nerd tomorrow. So uh, we get a double dose of Matt Okada in our lives. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, All right, let's turn our attention to some fantasy headlines to start this show off. The first one, kind of a big piece of news coming out of Los Angeles. Cam Akers has an ankle sprain, a high ankle sprain, and is going to miss at least week 16. We'll see what happens with week 17. Uh, But week 16 looks like he is out against the Seattle Seahawks, which means that Daryl Henderson steps back into a prominent role in that Rams backfield. But what are your expectations? What is the ceiling for Daryl Henderson against a Seahawks defense that's been fairly good against the run?
3: Yeah, they have been, particularly in giving up yards. They allow the third fewest rushing yards to running backs, So that's tough. And it's what we saw last time these two teams played. All three running backs had somewhere in the 30s in rushing yards. But the difference is they were all, they also scored three touchdowns between them. And I think that they could that Daryl Henderson can score here. We might also get some Malcolm Brown touchdowns. That happens every once in a while. <laughs> um so I, I think he has a touchdown dependent RB fringe RB one ceiling if he can score multiple times, which he can do.
2: That is gonna be the key, is this is if he can score, because I, I'm with you. I don't know that the yardage totals are going to be great, which which sort of has me kind of sitting him in that that mid tier RB two situation this week, just because I, I I don't, I'm not expecting a lot of offense in this game. Just the, the Seahawks mm-hmm. offense has sort of sputtered recently. The Rams are incredibly inconsistent. I, I can't, I can't figure the Rams out this year uh, as a whole. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game is on the lower scoring side. So it will take Henderson getting in the end zone. I think to put up a decent number for anybody this week, it's frustrating though, Matt, because we really had started to jump on board. The Cam Akers bandwagon, I think, as a whole, uh, I know there, were, I know there were a lot of people that had that were there already, uh, but we were starting to get on board as a whole. So Matt, I mean, this, this, this kind of hurts to lose him. I mean, to lose him at any point, but to lose him in Week 16, this is a this is a major blow for a lot of folks.
3: It's very disappointing because you are we're all scrounging for running backs, and whoever had Cam Akers suddenly burst onto the scene, it felt great, and now that feeling is all for naught.
2: It's all falling apart. <laughs> Uh, other running back news as we uh, you know, finish up on Cam Akers here, but some other running back news. James Conner, uh, who was dealing with a quad injury, could be available for week 16 against the Indianapolis Colts. Conner has been a riddle wrapped inside of an enigma. Benny Snell stepped in, had a really nice game against the Bengals on Monday night. But assuming Conner can get back on the field, and that's certainly not a for sure thing this week, Can we even consider him still to be the RB1 in Pittsburgh, considering how inconsistent he's been?
3: I think we can consider him to be the RB1 in Pittsburgh. Pretty much every time (laughs) he suits up for them, he leads the team and carries. The problem is I don't see him as an RB1 if he's playing because this offense has just taken a nosedive. They have been awful for several weeks now. They haven't scored 20 points in over four weeks. So even if he's you know, they're leading the team with 10 to 13 carries or something like that. They're not valuable carries, and I'm not expecting scoring. It's pretty much a back-end RB2 situation at best if he starts, even though he leads this team.
2: I like the way you said he's the RB1 in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like yeah. Just the the emphasis on that, I think, really, really said a lot. It, it's just been, I know, frustrating for a lot of folks who have James Conner because, you know, he, he is getting those lead back snaps and touches, but he hasn't really done anything with them. Uh, I know it's been frustrating, especially to see down near the goal line where the Steelers are just as likely to give the ball to chase Claypool as they are to, to James Connor, which has been, I think incredibly frustrating uh, if you're trying to get those touchdowns and get those points. Uh, I got to ask. So if, you know, let's say Connor is back. Snell has been playing well enough to at least get some sort of opportunity. Does that make these guys both functionally unusable then?
3: I think pretty much close to, yes. Like like we just said, you know, everyone's scrounging for running backs. You probably have to start Connor if you have him, at least in a flex. But yeah, Snell lowers his upside. Connor means Snell can't have a chance to, you know, get fifteen carries and be super valuable either. So I don't love either of them.
2: We have, I think, navigated our way successfully through a number of two-man backfields around the NFL. This one uh, has not been quite so easy to figure out. In part, just because, as you mentioned, the Steeler offense uh, has really fallen apart, especially the last three or four weeks. Uh, you know, as they go through this losing streak right now. Uh, last bit of running back news. It seems to be a theme today. Uh, Todd Gurley is no longer the lead running back for the Atlanta Falcons. That announcement was made by interim head coach Raheem Morris uh, earlier in the week. Ito Smith is now the lead dog back there in Atlanta. I'm not going to sit here and try to convince people that they should start Ito Smith. But my bigger question for you, Matt, is does this mean we have seen the last of Todd Gurley as a fantasy relevant player?
3: Oh, man, this is a painful question. I have a Todd Gurley <laughs> jersey hanging in my closet. He's been one of my favorite fantasy players for years. I've We've seen the last of him as an RB1. I mm-hmm. think absolutely. I mean, even before this benching, and this is probably why he was benched, You know, he had four straight games with single-digit carries, Fewer than 50 rushing yards, no touchdowns, and less than six fantasy points. And since week six, he's averaging 2.6 yards per carry. That is the worst in the entire NFL. So it has not been pretty. Now he loses his job to Ito Smith. I don't think we ever see him as an RB1 again. Having said that, whether he has relevance again, I think he probably does. I think we see him get, like, Adrian Peterson current veteran usage one day or Old Fred Jackson, you remember how he used to vulture mm-hmm. yeah. every young running back that existed? <laughs> I think we'll see, like, five more years of Todd Gurley doing that, which is just annoying. Uh, but I think he's done <laughs> as an RB1 for sure.
2: This, this to me, falls under the category of life comes at you fast. Because it, it really wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Todd Gurley, not just as a first-round running back, but, I mean, Todd Gurley was the number one overall pick uh, just a handful of years ago. I mean, he was a big part of the Rams getting to a Super Bowl. Then the, the stories of the arthritic knee pop up and it, you know, he leaves, obviously goes to Atlanta and, and everything has just come crashing down in a relatively short amount of time for Ty Gurley. And, and to see it sort of uh, come to this situation now where he is coming off the bench and he is backing up, Edo Smith, um, you know, even I think the most pessimistic folks about Todd Gurley this year I don't think they would have uh, envisioned it coming this quickly to this end uh, in Atlanta this year but here we are and it will be very interesting to see where he gets valued next year in drafts if he gets dra- I-, I think he'll get drafted based on you know who he is and potentially what his role could be but certainly the days of us considering him to be an elite fantasy running back uh, seem to be far in the rearview mirror uh, yeah, and yeah I mean does, he, yeah. he's only 26
3: too so this has come two years early at least. So, I, yeah, it's really disappointing.
2: Man, it's funny. He's only 26. The way – I know the way we talk about him, and I feel as as long as we've talked about him, you would yep. think he came in the league with Adrian Peterson. I mean, yep. the, way, the way people sort of talk about him, uh, you you would almost have that feeling. But, man, only 26. Uh arthritic knees, man. They, they creep up on you in a hurry. All right. Uh today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during signups and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's time for secure starts presented by visa for peace of mind online. Visa's got you covered. Normally Adam rank is here in this spot and he runs through his starts and sits, but he was kind enough uh, to leave us some of his names uh, before he uh, you know took the day off and uh, so we will kind of run through those we will have some of our own starts and sits for you so take a look Uh his quarterbacks this week jalen hurts justin herbert hurts no surprise especially after what he did last week against arizona uh, the running backs a pair of davids david montgomery david johnson and uh, monty really looking like a league winner over the last month or so his wide receivers terry mclaurin he has dj Moore as a start which Look, considering his tortured history with DJ Moore this week, you can sort of make your own decisions about what to do with him. A couple of tight ends who, in my mind, are connected, Austin Hooper and Hayden Hurst, because, well, Hayden Hurst took over for Austin Hooper in Atlanta. Uh, And then a pair of defenses, the Baltimore Ravens going against the Giants and the Browns going against the Jets. This is the week we told you to pick up uh, the Browns and stash them and stream them for if you made it to your championship week. So there you go. Those are Adam Rank's starts for Week 16 Uh, For you, Matt, if you had one guy that is a must-start, absolute must-start this week, who would it be?
3: Well, it's, uh, it's one of ranks, guys, and it's a guy you hit on in passing. It's Jalen Hurts, absolutely. Listen, as a starter, two games so far, he is the number one fantasy quarterback in the entire league this season in points per game. He has been revolutionary. He's averaging 80 rushing yards, 250 passing yards, and has five total touchdowns in those two starts. And here's the thing. We saw it earlier in the year with Kyler. We saw it in the middle of the year with Taysom Hill, a tight end playing quarterback. Now we're seeing it with Jalen Hurts. Rushing for quarterbacks is an absolute cheat code. He he is incredibly talented on the ground. And we saw that he can throw it very well as well. But if you have that rushing ability, you're going to score fantasy points. And Lamar Jackson had 94 yards and a TD against the Cowboys a few weeks ago on on the ground. Hurts can do the same here. I'm expecting something like 303 and a top five quarterback finish. This is going to be a great start for championship week.
2: When I went back and rewatched that Cardinals Eagles game from Sunday, the one thought that popped into my head watching Jalen Hurts is like it's this is like if Taysom Hill had been a more developed passer. Uh, it it mm-hmm. really sort of had that feel to it that, you know, he he runs sort of the same way. Uh, I mean, I don't know that he's quite as big as Taysom Hill, but they're both sort of like solidly built guys. It's just that Hurts is a, a better thrower of the football. Uh, and that's what separates the two of them. And, and I think we're actually past the point of calling it a cheat code for quarterbacks. I think going forward, rushing ability is going to be a must for fantasy quarterbacks. Like it's it's pretty much. You know, you can have an Aaron Rodgers, you can have, you know, a a Tom Brady, maybe even a Matthew Stafford. But those guys are going to be really rare. And you have to be really excellent throwing the football and put up a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards. Uh, At this point, you are going to be drafting quarterbacks who can run. Uh, which means you're probably going to have to draft them a little bit earlier than you would in, in past years, just because those guys, uh, there aren't quite as many of them, and they're going to stand out a little bit. Uh, my start of the week is Mike Evans with the Tampa Bay Bucs. And for me personally, this is a little bit of a shift because I have been a Chris Godwin stand pretty much all year long, and I've sort of been holding on to that, uh, even though the numbers, even the, the, the tape, everything about it says – Mike Evans really has taken over as sort of the lead receiver in this offense. I think some of it has had to do with Antonio Brown stepping in and he and Godwin have sort of cannibalized each other's productions. Some of it is, though, that Brady is looking to Evans more as a downfield threat, especially uh, down when they get in the red zone and in the end zone. Throw in the fact that the Lions, who they play on Saturday, have been just absolutely awful when it comes to well pretty much everything uh, defensively whether it's stopping the pass <laughs> uh or stopping the run the lions just have not been very good at it uh the bucks are certainly you know trying to get themselves set up for the best playoff possible position that they can so uh, this feels like a game where mike evans goes off and, and has an absolute monster day uh and you can catch that game uh on, on this part of the saturday triple header on nfl network we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later on in the show um so we got the, the guys that you must start. If you're looking for a sleeper, maybe somebody that isn't quite uh, as as recognizable, who would it be this week?
3: Uh, I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. Primarily, in fact, almost entirely because Ronald Jones is not expected to play Saturday in that same game, uh, which puts Fournette in line for lead duties again. And listen, he wasn't very efficient last week. 49 yards on 14 carries is kind of bad. Eh. But he had three (laughs) catches on four targets, and more importantly, by a mile, he scored twice. Now he's playing the Lions. You just mentioned it. They're (laughs) bad everywhere, but they're worst by far against running backs. They're the worst fantasy defense against running backs. They've allowed the third most yards to the position, and they've allowed 25 touchdowns to RBs this season, which is six more than the next closest team and double the league average. If Fournette doesn't score in this game, I quit <laughs> completely. <laughs> he, he is going to score. He's going to get you fantasy production. Has a very good chance for close to 100 yards and probably multiple touchdowns. So for a guy who's kind of been riding the bench or even the wire this year, he's a really exciting sleeper for me this week.
2: I do like that uh, as a call this week, especially with, with Rojo not expected to be available. And hey, look, you know, maybe he's out there in the waiver wire. If you lost Cam Akers, for instance— uh, maybe that's the pivot. I, I would certainly feel better about Leonard Fournette against the Lions than I would about Daryl Henderson uh, against the Seahawks. So that, that could be a, a pivot for a lot of folks out there. Uh, my sleeper this week is J.D. McKissick. And you know, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on what happens with Antonio Gibson. But even still, I think there's a path for McKissick to go out and be productive this week. And part of it is the Panthers, I know we've been picking on their run defense all year long. They've actually gotten a little tighter up front uh, against the run in the last month or so. But it's been their secondary that's sort of fallen apart. And I know, you know, as you're watching some of this video, you're seeing a lot of backfield targets for McKissick. And he does get a lot. He gets about half of his targets uh, out of the backfield. But about 45 percent of them come when he's lined up either in the slot or out wide. So they will move him around. And I don't think they have a problem putting both McKissick and Gibson on the field at the same time if it comes down to that. But I do like the chance of, of J.D. McKissick kind of getting a matchup against some of those corners uh, in that, that Panther secondary that's really had some problems over the last month or so. And I think, yeah, especially because we talk about uh, <clears throat> running back targets being way more valuable uh, than, than running back carries. There's a chance for McKissick to put up uh, kind of a nice number and, and be a, a really good flex play. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do him anything more than a flex play, maybe a low end RB2 at best. Uh, but I think he has some, some sleeper appeal right there. So uh, there you go. Those were our secure starts presented by Visa. And, uh, of course, we do starts. We do some sits as well because uh, we know you guys like that. Apparently, you guys like negativity. You want to hear about the bad stuff, too. I would think that in a year 20, 2020, you wouldn't want to hear bad stuff. But uh, here we go. Uh, here are the, some of the sits, according to Adam Rank. Philip Rivers, who really had a nice run. Uh, but maybe not so much this week. Uh, Maybe keep him on the bench. Kareem Hunt, who again has sort of slowed down in the back half of the season. Marquise Brown, who I I hesitate to use his nickname because I don't know that he has lived up to it so far. Uh, No offense at the tight end spot. And then a defense to maybe avoid is the Green Bay Packers this week. By the way, if you want to check out all of Adam Rank's Starts and Sits, you can do it at nfl.com slash start sit. So, Adam Rank gave us uh, his list of negatives. If you had a player to sit this week, who would it be? I'm going
3: to go with Mike Davis. And this one's probably a little bit rough because I think people want to rely on him. I think after the first kind of several weeks of the season, we slipped into a sort of like a CMC is out. Insert Mike Davis and expect CMC light kind of mindset. (laughs) The problem is he has not been that for a long time. He's only topped 12 fantasy points twice since week six. And every other week since then, he's finished outside the top 18 at the position. And over that span, he has five games with single-digit fantasy points, including last week in a good matchup, well, what should have been a good matchup with the Packers. I just don't think he's the auto start that we thought he was early on. And in a tough matchup with the Bucs, I'm kind of thinking he's an auto sit. They're allowing the six-fewest points per game to running backs and have only allowed one. To finish better than 30th in the last five games and that was dalvin cook so take that for what it's worth yeah <laughs> i i'm sitting mike davis i don't think we can expect a big game from him
2: I admit the being guilty of the Mike Davis auto start because, you know, Christian McCaffrey is not there. I know there were a few weeks that I was just like, hey, yeah, go ahead and start Mike Davis. It's going to be fine. And it wasn't necessarily fine. Uh, I also think that this speaks to how amazing Christian McCaffrey was last year that you know, he could get all those snaps all those touches and be as productive just ludicrously productive throughout the course of the season. I'll never forget the week that he scored 30 points, 30 fantasy points and didn't have a touchdown in the game. That, that is sort of mind boggling to me. Uh, My sit, my sit of the week uh, is Russell Wilson. And I feel like rank here. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of give you the, uh, the, the preface, the disclaimer here. I understand if you have to start him, right? I get it if there aren't a lot of better options, if the waiver wire is bare, uh, if there are other quarterbacks with better matchups on other rosters, I understand. But there's nothing about this situation that has me excited for Russell Wilson. Uh, We've seen him struggle mightily over the last few weeks. Last week, he had a season low in passing yards, just barely 120 passing yards for Russ. Uh, And part of it is, The Seahawks themselves are just not throwing the ball nearly as much as they were at the start of the year. The beginning of the season, first eight or nine weeks, it was hashtag let Russ cook. The last few weeks has been hashtag let Russ hit the drive through. It has not been the same. Some of it has to do with, I think, sort of protecting him from himself because I think he was trying to play hero ball and turning the ball over a lot. Some of it has to do with their running backs getting healthy and Pete Carroll falling back into old tendencies and wanting to be more of a run first offense. So you have those things working sort of against Russ this week. You also have uh, a Rams defense defense. That likely is going to be a little bit salty about what happened last week, uh, losing to the Jets on their home field. All in all, this just is not a a very comfortable situation if you're talking about playing for a fantasy championship. So, again, I understand if you don't have better options, if you feel like you're sort of stuck into starting Russ, I get it. But uh, I also wouldn't be very excited about trying to start Russ uh, in this situation, which leads us to a star player that maybe we are worried about. And I feel like, Matt, yours is sort of uh, an extension of what I just sort of argued about.
3: (laughs) It absolutely is. Almost everything you said pretty much applies to the star I'm worried about, and it's DK Metcalf. And it's a rough star to be worried about, just like your Russell Wilson call, because we've been relying on these guys all year. But listen, when these two teams played in Week 10, Metcalf had two catches and 28 yards, and that was it. And he was shadowed that game by Jalen Ramsey on 77% of his routes. Jalen Ramsey is not just a pro bowler. He's probably an all-pro this year. It is a tough, tough matchup for Metcalf and for the entire Seahawks offense. Also, he hasn't had more than 14 fantasy points in any of his career games against this team. And they're the number one defense against wide receivers this season. So I think his upside is capped no matter what. And he's been a little less consistent over the second half of the season. We all remember how good he was in the first kind of eight games. 21 fantasy points per game. Over the second half, only 14.4. So he hasn't been that consistent high upside wide receiver one as as often as he was early on. And listen, this is Metcalf and Wilson, okay? We might both end up looking silly because (laughs) these guys can do almost anything to almost anyone. But... I don't see it happening in this game. I think the odds are that both are kind of reduced in their fantasy point output and in their ability to carry this team in this game. I'm sitting I'm not, I'm probably not sitting DK Metcalf. That's why he wasn't my sit, but I'm very worried about him.
2: I look I don't mind looking silly, right? If 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 I if I suggest that Russell Wilson is going to have a bad game and he doesn't, hey, Fine. That's great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think anybody's willing to, to take that. Uh, But I do think, you know, look, I think we would not be doing our jobs if we didn't, uh, you know, at least warn people about our concerns about this going in. Uh I would say similarly, the star I'm concerned about is Dalvin cook. And again, I'm not telling you to sit Dalvin cook because, Hey man, it's Dalvin cook. I mean, the dude's been fantastic, but I do have a little bit of concern uh just going up against that saints run defense, especially because, the viking pass defense is such that you know, teams are throwing the ball at will they're scoring points pretty regularly so one the game script may not favor cook just getting a ton of touches in this one but the other part of it is uh i know the saints run d has given up a few yards they had uh, you know the, the really bad game against the eagles uh, a couple of weeks ago where both jalen hurts and miles sanders had over 100 rushing yards and even last week you know uh clyde edwards alaire I had about 79, almost 80 yards on the ground before he got hurt. Le'Veon Bell came in, gave you about 60 yards and a touchdown, but the numbers tend to favor going against running backs in this matchup. So Dalvin Cook's still going to get opportunity. He's still going to be in your lineup, but I think there's a chance that maybe the number is not going to be one of those big, huge numbers that we got used to seeing from Dalvin Cook. Uh, and might leave you a little bit frustrated in a really big situation there. So uh, again, Play Dalvin Cook. I'm not telling you to sit him because I don't <laughs> want I don't want angry people in my Twitter mentions. Um, but I'm just I'm just telling you that I I have concerns. That's all. I just have concerns. So we talked about our starts and sits for Week 16. Now we're gonna maybe dig a little bit deeper for those of you who are in deeper leagues or maybe you just have some some really tough lineup decisions to make. I I pulled out a handful of guys who could be considered maybe deep sleepers, maybe some uh, YOLO plays, if you will, and calling this YOLO or hell no. Uh, So Matt, we're going to kick around some of these names and decide whether or not it's worth taking the shot or if it's just way too risky uh, and you'd rather just pass on them. So the first one, Mitchell Trubisky, who has turned things around the the last few weeks. Uh, I know the fantasy number wasn't spectacular last week against the Vikings, but overall playing better football and has what on paper is a really good matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So again, YOLO or hell no. Would you throw Mitch Trubisky in a a season long lineup in week 16?
3: Full YOLO for me. I (laughs) listen, Don't tell anyone, but I'm a closet Trubisky truther. I (laughs) wanted him to start from the beginning of the season. I never wanted to see Foles. I think he's an okay NFL quarterback if given the right pieces, but a pretty good fantasy quarterback. He has sneaky rushing ability. We've seen it several times. And he's a decent passer sometimes. Inconsistent for sure. But he also has, you know, good weapons. Allen Robinson on the outside. A couple good tight ends now. And when the right matchup comes around, he is solid. So this is a very right matchup. You mentioned it. They're the number two best or worst, depending on how you look at it, matchup for quarterbacks, allowing over 22 fantasy points per game. I think he has a very good shot being a QB1. I
2: am I am very much on the YOLO train with with Mitch this week. Uh, he was definitely in my, my waiver wire column as a guy to pick up. I know he's out there in a good number of waiver wires, so... Uh, certainly if you're playing in a two QB, league, two QB league, I think that goes without saying, but um, if you've got quarterback issues, if you've got quarterbacks, you're just not certain on Philip Rivers, for instance, uh, who was on Adam ranks sit list this week, I would not think it's a crazy idea to think about starting Mitch Trubisky uh, against the Jaguars in week 16. Plus look, if you're the winning a title with Mitch Trubisky, that's a story you can tell people forever and ever and ever. It'd be great. It's, you know, uh, look, I, I. I know someone who said they once won a fantasy league with Matt Moore, and to this day, they, they never let us forget about it. So uh, this could be a great story to tell. Um, Savon Ahmed, who has had a pretty good season in relief down there in Miami. Uh, there is a chance maybe Miles Gaskin can come back. That's something to sort of keep an eye on this week. Uh, you know, Matt Breida is occasionally getting touches down there, but the matchup against the Raider run defense seems really good. So uh, YOLO or hell no on this one.
3: Okay, I feel like I have to qualify this one because okay. if Gaskin plays, it's hell no. Mm-hmm. I do not trust any of these running backs if they're all if all 3 of them are out there. We have not seen Gaskin and Ahmed on the field at the same time all year, so it's really hard to know what we're going to get. If Gaskin is not playing though, it's YOLO for sure. He's been whoever has been the lead back for this Dolphins team has been decent for fantasy, especially what we saw from him last week. So I'm happy to run him out there, especially in a really good matchup with the Raiders like you mentioned. But if Gaskin plays, I'm not gonna try to get cute and hope that Ahmed keeps the lead. I'm just gonna sit both of them and wash my hands of the matter.
2: I yeah, I word for word kind of what you said there. what I have appreciated about the Dolphins this year is that they really have been a one running back team. Uh, you know whoever whoever that back is, Generally gets the majority of the snaps, the majority of the touches, and they they haven't really done a platoon situation. Now they've they've used different backs because of injury. You know, you had Miles Gaskin for a while, then he got hurt. You know, you had Ahmed in there, you know, at times. But whoever is the lead back, you know, is going to get a heavy workload. But the question is, as you mentioned. We don't know what it's going to be like if Gaskin is back. Does he come back and take the lead? Do they stay with Ahmed because he's playing well? Do they do some mixture of the two? Uh, this is not the week that I want to experiment and find out which one is which. Right. Like, I have no idea. I don't want to experiment. I don't want to play around and try to guess which one. So you're right. If if Gaskin ends up being healthy, uh, then I completely back away from Savon Ahmed. But, uh, you know, if there's no Miles Gaskin, let's giddy up. Let's go and make this thing happen. Uh, all right. In the year of our Fantasy Lords 2020, here I am asking you whether or not you would consider starting Tyler Eifert on the Jaguars offense against the Chicago Bears. But I'm doing it because the Bears shockingly have given up a lot of fantasy points to the tight end position. And, you know, I know we haven't really talked about Tyler Eifert being a fantasy relevant tight end in, what, three, four years, maybe more. I don't know. Um, but is, is, is this a YOLO play or is this a bridge too far?
3: Uh, here's the thing. I feel like pretty much every championship is between Travis Kelsey's manager and Darren Waller's manager. So (laughs) I don't know if, if you'll need to, but if you don't have one of those two guys and you made your way in absolutely YOLO with Tyler Eifert. Why not? It's the tight end position outside those two guys. Almost anybody can be a tight end one in any given week. Eifert has been kind of okay. Eight plus fantasy points in three of his last four. But really, it comes down to, like you mentioned, the matchup. Chicago's giving up the second most points at tight ends, 16 fantasy points per game. And they've allowed a top 12 tight end, which is a starter, in seven of their last eight. And not all those guys have been standard starters. So it's uh, crazy to think about starting Tyler Eifert in your fantasy (laughs) championship. Maybe this was five years ago. It might feel better. But I'll do it because it's a tight end position. And there's a good chance he's a tight end one.
2: So I have gone around and around on this in the, the hours since I, I put together this rundown. Like when I first did it, I was thinking, YOLO, like, let's do this, right? Like the matchup is good. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, Eifert's had a relatively safe floor in, in regards of tight ends over the last few weeks. And I was like, hey, YOLO, let's do this. And then I started looking and I'm like, I don't know yet. I think he had three, three catches last week. He's not getting a ton of targets necessarily. And I started to think, hell no what has sort of gotten me back closer to the YOLO side of the fence. Like I'm literally still on the fence, but I guess I'm leaning more toward the YOLO side. Uh, And what got me there is, you know, this talk that there might not be James Robinson this week. And Mm -hmm. Robinson's not exactly a target monster, but uh, I think I feel like if, if Robinson's not there, some of those short throws, uh, some of those underneath throws that might normally go to him out of the backfield, maybe they end up going in Tyler Eifert's direction. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that Daria Ogunbowale is going to step in and suddenly, you know, absorb all of these opportunities that Robinson had. So uh, what has me more toward, you know, sort of believing in Eifert is just that maybe he gets, you know, two or three extra looks uh, if Robinson can't go and play in that game, plus the matchup sort of being in his favor. This one, this one, honestly, I think of the group that I came up with is the scariest one of them all for me. So, yeah. uh, but you're right. Yep. You're probably right about the fact that most championships are between you know, Kelsey and Waller <laughs> at this point, uh, because if you had any other tight end, you were probably scrambling for, <laughs> for so much of the year. It was pretty ugly. Um, all right. Last one. And I want to come up with a defense, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, we've been okay. Uh, you know I don't know that they've been a spectacular defense so far this year, but uh, at first, I thought, you know, when I put this together that they would be facing Nick Mullins. Now it looks more and more like they may be facing CJ Bethard. By the way, the Niners uh, have have signed Josh Rosen off the Bucks practice squad. Uh, right. and he is with them. I don't expect I don't expect Rosen to start this week, but maybe Week 17, which is just out of curiosity. Uh, but the Cardinals defense—if you're looking for a streamer—would uh, you consider them against uh, a 49ers offense that just has major quarterback issues?
3: First of all, signing Rosen just to play against the Cardinals would be the most amazing That'd be so revenge great. game I've ever. Heard. <laughs> Uh, But in terms of this defense in in this matchup, absolutely YOLO. I am more than happy to start the Cardinals. I would start almost any defense against the 49ers right now, and probably regardless of quarterback, they've allowed a top 10 fantasy defense in six of their last seven games, including the number one uh, defense in two straight weeks to Washington and Dallas, which is not a great defense. Uh, and listen they're turning over the ball at an insane rate 16 turnovers in their last five games that's going to probably be the case no matter who's under center and the Cardinals overall like you mentioned you know their fantasy defense has not been spectacular but their top five in the league in sacks I expect them to be able to get home against again whatever quarterback is there I think this is a 100% startable defense for your fantasy championship
2: I, I would agree. I think they're very streamable this week. Um, I, I I definitely loved them when it was Nick Mullins. I don't feel I don't feel terrible about it against uh, C.J. Beathard. Um, the, the point you made about them giving up the number one defense back to back. I mean, it's it's one thing if it's Washington, because we look at that Washington defense and you see like there's there's talent there. They are a good defense. I mean, with, with Chase Young up front and, and that secondary, they're a good defense. Allowing the Cowboys to be the number one overall defense. <laughs> that's a whole different story. Something's and going on here. That's something something is wrong uh, when that's happening. And so I, I do think that um, you know, having, having that on their resume the last couple of weeks should make you feel a lot better uh, about starting the Cardinals. So uh, there it is. We were straight up YOLO, like all over the place on this one. That's good. So, uh, you know, you can get, look. I, I say this, and it, it, it sometimes you have to go out and you have to sort of play hero ball, right? Like, especially if you've gotten this far, don't be conservative. Take some big swings because, you know, look, bigger swings mean bigger hits. It's a bigger miss. Who knows? But, uh, you know, you, you have a better story. To, you have a better story to tell when it's all said and done. If you end up winning a, a fantasy championship because Tyler Eifert went for like 80 yards and a touchdown, um, you know, that's something you don't let the people in your league forget for years and years and years. Let's talk some keepers, shall we? Uh, for everybody who maybe isn't playing in championship week, or even those of you who are, and just uh, have an eye out toward the future, uh, a list of guys who their performances this year, you know, maybe okay, maybe not what you expected, maybe even better than expected. Uh, And whether or not you would keep them at uh, their ADPs based on uh, where they were average drafted uh, this past year. So let's start with Josh Jacobs, Who uh, give him a round two ADP. He is a top 10 running back right now, even though for me it doesn't always feel like he's been a top two running back. Uh, But at a round two ADP, would would you keep him this year?
3: Yeah, I mean... That's about where he's val, where he should be valued, and that, and for me with a keeper, that's not really ideal. I want to get a value out of my keeper, as in they're around, you know, three guy, but keep them for around five or six. Jacobs is a round two guy who you're keeping at round two. It's just kind of what he is and probably where he belongs. I think he's going to slot in as an RB twelve to fifteen or something like that next year, which is very valuable for your fantasy squad. But it's not great as a keeper option. And to your point about kind of not really feeling like what he is, he's had five weeks outside RB2 territory, including three single-digit fantasy days. That's It's been a little bit inconsistent. So I'd rather go somewhere else and get a value if you can find one. But this is fine, I suppose, if you need to keep him around,
2: too. <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe it. It's fine um it's it's not exciting and I think if I were looking at that if I were looking at Josh Jacobs with with a second round ADP if I'm giving up a second round pick I I probably don't I probably you know put him back in the pool because there's a good chance I could probably get him at that value uh, again next year and and what I saw this year just like I said er early on I remember early in the first couple weeks of the season uh he was getting a lot of targets he got a lot of catches and I think we all thought hey if this keeps up then he really will have a major boost in production and a a boost in value this year. Uh, And that has really faded over the back half of the season. And just that inconsistency means that he has not been, you know, he's not been the guy that I, that I wanted him to be. And especially look, if, if his, uh, if, if what I'm giving up ends up being what his ADP actually is, then yeah, there's, there's no real value for me holding on to him. Um, DeAndre Swift, who has really come on in the back half of the season. He, like a number of these other rookie running backs, have really picked things up in the back half of the season. Um, we'll see what happens with the Lions. I think there's going to be another remaking there, whether it's head coach. Uh, I think yeah, certainly I, I would be surprised if Adrian Peterson is back. So, for giving him a round six uh, ADP, if you've got to lose a sixth round draft pick, would you hold on to, to DeAndre Swift?
3: Yes, absolutely. This, this is exactly what I want. When I was just describing what I don't really think I'm getting with Josh Jacobs at round two, that's what we're getting with with Swift here in round six, because I think he can be a guy who should be drafted in round two. Like you said, Adrian Pearson, free agent, probably going to be gone. Coaching regime going to change. It was not good this year. The run game and the offense in general was not pretty. I think there's a better than 50% chance that that gets improved in 2021. I think listen, he's an extremely talented player. I think he has all the makings of like a Nick Chubb type year two breakout where we're seeing 16 1700 scrimmage yards and double digit touchdowns potentially. I think he's a legit RB1 next season to to keep him at round 6 is huge about him. I
2: mean, you remember I mean, in in the off season before the draft, for a lot of people DeAndre Swift was their number one running back. I mean, it was it was pretty much a conversation yep. between he and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and a lot of folks had Swift as their number one back, and it, it took a while. Um, you know, I, I think some of it is with these rookies sort of getting acclimated to the game. You had situations where a lot of them were in committee situations, whether it was Taylor or Swift. Uh, or Dobbins, I always, I always freak out when I say Taylor and Swift in that order, but uh, yeah, Taylor or Swift <laughs> and, and Dobbins, uh, all all sort of working in tandem with other running backs there. But I, I really feel like the Lions are going to open the door for Swift to be more of a workhorse, maybe not a, a true, you know, lone running back, but I, I do, I don't see a lot of other guys coming in there to take some of those touches from him. And so uh, I I do envision we'll be talking about him as a second round pick in a lot of leagues next year at worst, at worst, he falls to the third round, but I just don't see that happening. So if, if I can save, uh, you know, three rounds, basically uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take that deal pretty much all day. Uh, All right. A couple of wide receivers on the list, Terry McLaurin, who I think we all agree is a great wide receiver. He just, I fear he's going to end up, you know, having Allen Robinson, syndrome where he goes to the nfl and he is struggling to get a consistent quality quarterback right he's already been through a handful so far in washington in just a short amount of time um you know dwayne haskins very well may have partied his way out of washington uh, after his his latest misstep here so for all the talent terry mclaurin has you worry about his situation let's put it at round five is it worth banking on that upside to give up a fifth round pick
3: For me, it is. And there's a couple of reasons. One, I absolutely love Terry McLaurin. I think he's one of the most talented receivers in the NFL already. He is unbelievable. Two, you mentioned the quarterback situation. It's certainly not been pretty. The Allen Robinson comp is scary. I don't like it. (laughs) Although Allen Robinson has kind of stayed as a fringe wide receiver one for most of his career, even with bad quarterback play. We could see that with McLaurin. But What I will say is McLaurin was really, really good with Haskins and Kyle Allen this year. It was just that Alex Smith window where he kind of was less used and was not as productive. Smith kind of preferred JD McKissick. I don't think Alex Smith is going to be the long-term answer there at quarterback. Whether it's Haskins, probably not, or someone else, I think that there's a good chance that Terry McLaurin is still very good. Also, only three receiving touchdowns this year. That's going to positively regress. He's going to score more. So I think he's a potential wide receiver one. This is a good value.
2: I I'm I'm torn, but I do think I would probably hold on to him w- with around five value because again I think I think when we talk about redrafts next year, he'll be coming off the board probably a couple of rounds earlier. Uh, I do want to keep an eye on what the quarterback situation is in Washington because. Uh, I'm sort of with you. I don't think that the future franchise quarterback for for the FT is on the roster right now. Uh, Alex Smith has been a great story, and he seems to be a shoe in for comeback player of the year. But he's also not the long term answer. Uh, like I said earlier, I think the Dwayne Haskins experiment uh, has pretty much run its course. I, I can't imagine they're just going to want to deal with him too much longer, especially considering he hasn't you know, he, he hasn't proven to be a breakout star at the position. Um, probably not enough nope. for them to to deal with the headaches that, that he's causing them off the field. So um, I would be surprised if the, the the football team is not in the market for a quarterback in this offseason. We'll see where they end up draft. Here's the thing, just as an aside, not even fantasy-related, they're in a weird situation, Matt, because if they win the division, they make the playoffs, they yeah, get a, they get so a significantly bad. worse draft spot, right? Like, that, that really so bad. handcuffs them. So, you know, Look, I know that you know, fans want to win, teams want to win, players want to win, uh, but at the same time, th- making the playoffs with potentially a record Thank under me. 500 severely hamstrings your ability to improve your roster <laughs> next year. So they're in a a really, really weird spot there. I don't know. Um, Tyler Lockett. And Tyler Lockett right now, I mean, you want to talk about an interesting case study because he had – Two huge games. He had a 37-point game. Then he had the 53-point game in Week 7 against the Cardinals. That's 40% of his fantasy scoring for the year. Everything after that has been just really nothing you really want to talk about. He has one touchdown uh, since Week 7. Around 4 ADP for a guy that we know what his ceiling can be, but we have seen the floor way more times than I would care to really think about. So, I mean, this is a risk-reward thing. Do you take that round four, you know, give up that round four pick and hope that he gets back to the Tyler Lockett of past years, or, or do you stay away?
3: I mean, to answer this question, I care to think about those <laughs> bad <laughs> weeks because there's been a lot of them. Two games as, as the number one wide receiver, you mentioned them, but nine outside of the top 30 wide receivers. Six games with single-digit fantasy points, since week eight, after that game you mentioned, the 53.1, he's been the wide receiver 52. It was the whole second half of the season. He's the wide receiver 52. I, he, by the end of 2021, he will be in the same total fantasy points as the guys we're drafting in round four. It's just like he's <laughs> going to be this year. But I don't want that on my fantasy team, if I can help it. it that's the same round where I'm going to be able to get guys like Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, Julio Jones maybe even – I would much rather have those guys where week in, week out, I know I'm going to get a strong performance rather than Tyler Lockett twice a year winning me the week and every other week stinking it up.
2: Lockett is right now where I feel like Amari Cooper was the last couple of years. Um in that I mm-hmm. I stayed away from Amari Cooper in a lot of drafts this year because I didn't want to ride the roller coaster. Like I it, it's great when Amari would go out and get you those 30 35 point weeks, but then he follows it up the next week with like four. And I didn't want that. And that's kind of where I'm at with Tyler Lockett right now, which is probably why I don't think I would keep him, certainly not at around 4 ADP. Uh, I I don't think I would hold on to him because one DK Metcalf looks to have taken over as the number one wide receiver in that offense. He's just more consistent. Um, He's also the guy that they tend to take more deep shots with, which means you don't necessarily need as many catches. If he's getting you big chunk plays and getting in the end zone, whereas Lockett has been more of the short intermediate pass catching guy. Uh, and so it's been a little bit harder to put up big numbers for him. So I-, I like the ceiling. I know what he potentially can be, but I don't want to you know, fret every week whether or not he's going to hit that ceiling and worry more that he's going to be kind of staying towards his floor. So I, I think I would probably pass on him uh, and see who else might be available for me uh, around that same time uh, at the wide receiver spot. Because as you mentioned, there are a lot of really good guys. Wide receiver is so deep that you get to the fourth round, there will be plenty of guys to choose from that might get you more consistent production uh, on a week-to-week basis. Uh, All right, so the last one, I put this on here. I feel like this is going to be a pretty easy answer, but I'm just sort of of testing a hypothesis here. Uh, You talked about championships coming down to the Travis Kelsey manager versus the Darren Waller manager. I'm pretty sure Travis Kelsey is going to be a first-round pick in most, if not all, leagues based on what he has done. Darren Waller, though, had a round five ADP. Uh, With what he has done the last couple of years, round five feels like a steal for Darren Waller right now, doesn't it?
3: This might be one of the biggest steals. This is an absolute OMG slap the keeper button yes for me. (laughs) Um, Tight ends in general, if you can get one of the top tier guys, I'm okay going in the first two rounds. So Waller and Kittle, I would also be okay probably taking in round two. So if I can keep Waller in round five, absolutely yes. I mean, He's currently on pace for around right around 270 fantasy points. That would be a top 10 tight end fantasy season all time. He is elite, and he and the positional advantage you get by taking one of these top tight ends is second to none. So yes, while we're in round five as a keeper, yes, while we're in round four or three, maybe even two as a keeper, get yourself one of these tight ends however you can.
2: So you basically I say I was testing a hypothesis and you you nailed it when you use the word elite, because that's that's the question I'm starting to ask people is whether or not they think Darren Waller has reached the level of elite fantasy tight ends. And I think I think the answer is yes. Um, I remember I asked I asked Adam Rank a couple of weeks ago that question, and he said at the times that he was knocking on the door. Then since then, Waller's gone out and had a couple of even better games. Uh, and I think it's just it's getting harder to deny, especially at a position that is as shallow as tight end has been. We know Kelsey's going to be there. Uh, Kittle is still going to be there. He had he had injury issues this season, which sort of prevented him. But when he was on the field, uh, he looked like the George Kittle that we've come to know in his relatively short NFL career. Um, you know, but Mark Andrews has fallen off. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz, where have you gone? Um, there's so many kind of middle tier tight ends that were just underwhelming this year that I think, I think when you talk about the top guys at the position, uh, it's Kelsey Kittle and Darren Waller now. And if you're talking about keeping him with a fifth round ADP, that might be one of the easiest calls uh, that anybody has in this off Um, it just, he's just been great. Um, you know, and and credit to him, credit to the Raiders for figuring out how to to maximize what he can do. But uh, mm-hmm. that that's going to be, I think, a very easy call for a lot of folks who have Darren Waller in keeper league. So uh, happy keeping uh, for those of you who observe uh, this offseason. I'm sure we'll talk plenty about that. We'll talk about some dynasty stuff, too, uh, in the offseason uh, when we get to that point as well let's finish some things out with wire taps I like to do this uh, on Wednesdays, the guys that you might have snagged off the waiver wire and whether or not you're going to give them some run in your lineup. So uh, let's start with Le'Veon Bell. The obvious being that without Clyde Edwards, helaire his role grows in the chiefs offense. The downside being that he's playing the Falcons, which I know at first blush seems like what, but the Falcons have been pretty good against fantasy running backs so far this season. So Uh, Matt, if you snagged Le'Veon Bell, are you immediately, just without thinking, plugging him into the lineup this week?
3: Not quite without thinking. I think it depends on what else I have. But there's a good chance that if I picked up Le'Veon Bell, it's because I probably need him. Like we talked about it multiple times in the show, RBs are scarce. Wherever you can get a starter, you're probably plugging him in. I think you probably are starting him. But not only is their run defense kind of impressive of late and maybe a little bit concerning but their pass defense is still just terrible and when you have Patrick Mahomes against a pass defense that bad it just feels like maybe one of those 404 games for Mahomes where the running backs don't even need to do anything so I think this might be a little bit of a trap I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be okay like an RB2 low end RB2 so you're probably going to have to start him, but I don't expect a huge day.
2: That's kind of where I sit on this too, that I feel like if you went and got Lev, uh, maybe it's because you lost Clyde Edward DeLair or you you have another running back that you're not sure about. So you picked him up um, and I probably would start him as an RB2, maybe a flex, but I, I'm not really excited about the matchup. And I think your point about you know, it being a Patrick Mahomes game Um rings really true and that they may not ask much of Le'Veon Bell because they may not need him to do much this week. But I do feel like if you picked him up, chances are you probably did it because you're in a situation where you've got to start the guy and you're kind of hoping for the best in week 16. Um, Tony Pollard, who was great last week. I honestly didn't expect much from him against the 49ers. The Cowboys had struggled to run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and Pollard ended up having a huge game uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Now they get the Eagles this week. Um, I, I guess is it for you? Is it as simple as if Zeke plays, then you sit Pollard, or would you even would you even consider starting Pollard if Zeke is back this week?
3: I would consider flexing Pollard if Zeke is in. If if Zeke is out, it's a smash play, mm-hmm. or but the, very likely RB one. But even if Zeke is in, I think I'm probably willing to flex Pollard. Listen. He's been better. He's looked better. He's produced better. Maybe it's fresh legs. Maybe Zeke, I don't know, is worn down. But Pollard has been better. And beyond that, you know, the Cowboys playoff prospects are not great, even if they do manage to somehow win this division, which is still possible, I believe. (laughs) Um, But even if they make it, they know they're not winning anything. So why run Ezekiel Elliott into the ground wait until Dak comes back next year and they can have a proper run at everything and just give Pollard some run. I think there's a good chance that Paul, even if Zeke is there, Pollard leads the team and touches and is the better fantasy back. So I'm probably starting him either
2: way. He has looked more explosive, uh, even when they've been on the field together. Uh, uh, Pollard's point total from last week, he had 31 points, I believe, last week. That's more than Zeke has had in about two, two and a half years. Uh, it, it's been a while since he has put up that many fantasy points in a game. I believe Pollard has more 20-yard runs this year than Zeke on about 120 fewer carries. So everything points to him having having a better season right now. And you're right. If, if Zeke doesn't play, uh, then you're, you're starting Pollard, no questions asked. Uh, but it would be interesting. I, I think that there are there's a story to be told about using Tony Pollard as a flex, even if Ezekiel Elliott is on the field this week in a, a huge game uh, with major playoff implications uh, in the NFC East. <laughs> and it's funny, it, it feels like yeah. a tradition for the Eagles and Cowboys to play either week 16, week 17. Uh, and it ends up being high comedy because usually the way one of those teams loses is something uh, – well, it's hysterical to me because I don't have a rooting interest. Uh, if I had a rooting interest <laughs> in one of those teams, I don't think I would be laughing quite as much. But, <laughs> but uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens uh, again this week. Um, last one, and I sort of showed my hand on this one, but J.D. McKissick uh, against the, the Carolina Panthers. Like I said, we're still waiting to see what happens with Antonio Gibson this week. Um, but, but even with Gibson on the field, would you consider starting J.D. McKissick against Carolina?
3: I would. Certainly in a PPR, I think even with Gibson there, he's likely to get a a good amount of passing work and some rushing work as well. And the Panthers, you know, we've gone back and forth on this, whether they're tough or easy for fantasy running backs. Six most fantasy points to the position this year, but they've been better of late. But they've also allowed the third most receptions to the position this season, and that's been pretty consistent. So I think there's a good chance J.D. McKissick gets six, seven receptions, even if Antonio Gibson is there. And if he's not... Jaden McKessick has gotten uh, more than 11 carries in two straight, 18 points per game over his last three. He's been consistent. He's been producing. I will roll him out there no matter what and be more excited if it's just him.
2: I always like to look at you know the the passing games that we consider concentrated where there aren't a lot of guys getting targets and in washington all year it's been pretty consistent that most of the targets go through terry mclaurin logan thomas and jd mckissick and so i I think that's going to continue this week even if antonio gibson is back on the field um and it hasn't really mattered who the quarterback has been it's pretty much been those guys uh seeing all the targets there so like i said earlier in the show i feel okay uh, with starting J.D. McKissick this week. Uh, Matt, appreciate you sitting in. I know we'll see you tomorrow for Ask a Nerd. Uh, I got to ask, are you, are you playing for championships in, in any leagues this week?
3: Ooh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. <laughs> we almost made it to the end. I am not in a single one. It's been a super unlucky year. I had a lot of George Kittle. I'm just going to be watching and cheering for you guys.
2: Hey, you know what? Look, I always say this. Look, getting to a championship is hard. Winning a championship is even harder. For me, the goal is, look, if you can make the playoffs, then at that point, all bets are off because anything can happen. Uh, I think I squeaked through in yeah. one league, the rest of them not so much. So, uh, you know, I, I feel your pain. I you know, look. Once you get to the playoffs, at, the, at, this, at that point, it's sort of out of your hands. So certainly no shame in that. But uh, appreciate you sitting in today. Yeah. Like I said, uh, we'll see you tomorrow, huh? Yep, see you then. Sounds good. Uh, As for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, there's no problem so big that it can't be solved with a little bit of self-delusion. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.